So you may notice that I have a rock today. I'm going to try my best not to trip over it during my sermon. If I do, that'll be okay too. I'm all right with that. Um, I think that uh, probably the worst part about that would be stubbing my toe. I don't know if any of you have ever stubbed a toe before, but there is no pain on this earth quite like stubbing your toe. Am I right about that? Amen. Amen to that, right? Like some of you are like, golly, I feel you on that. Um, it's just me it, being honest with you. At three o'clock in the morning, you get up and you got to go to the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe you've come back from a long trip and you left your suitcase in the middle of the floor. Not that this has ever happened to me, understand? But for whatever reason, I don't know why they make suitcases out of stainless steel, but they do. And you kick that suitcase, and uh, unholy words come to mind, but because Jesus resides in your heart, none of them hit your lips, so you're good. And, uh, and tears begin to flow, right? Am I right? Nothing will make you cry quite like a stubbed toe. Am I right about that? Um, if I'm even more honest with you about myself, I am, um, I am a crier. Some of you know that about me. Uh, I saw a few heads nod. I'm not sure. Uh, some of you have known me for a very long time, and I'm a crier, not just when I stub my toe, but when emotional things happen to me, I tend to break down. Uh, you know, some people would call that, uh, you know, very feminine of me. I don't care what you call me. I've been called a lot of names. Feminine is not the worst you could call me. So, um, so I, I'm a bit of a crier, to be very honest with you. And there are times when the, the Spirit of God moves on me and, and I see things and, and God just stirs my heart and I cannot help but to express that through tears. Uh, some of you guys, I understand that you want to hold those back because men are not supposed to cry. Um, I don't think that's the case. You know how I know that? It's because Jesus cried, and I, I talked to you about this not long ago. Um, everybody knows John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. His buddy Lazarus was dead, and, and, and like everybody thinks that he was crying because his friend was gone, even though he knew he was about to raise him from the dead. We could talk about that in a minute if we want. But, um, but did you know that there's a second time when Jesus cried? Did you know that? Some people knew that, right? Uh, some people probably didn't, that there were actually two times recorded in Scripture when Jesus cried. Now, we're going to talk about that second time today as we continue our Kairos series. Um, Kairos is, is the biblical term, the Greek term for a God moment, this moment in time when it is like a particular time in, 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 in God's ordained plan. It's just like right now, it's... it's, it's Pay attention to what's going on around you because this is the time, if you will. Um, I try to explain it to people, some, uh, some people this way. It's like seize the day in Jesus' terms, right? So everybody knows what carpe diem means, you know, like seize the day, like take advantage of the moment. Well, this is take advantage of the moment in Jesus' terms. So it's kairos is what the name of it is. That's the Greek word. So we're going to talk about how Jesus, um, in this particular moment that he recognizes he actually starts weeping, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I am a crier. Um, there's a, a group of us that um, have signed up to go to Give Kids the World. Give Kids the World is a, a place, a resort, if you will, in Orlando, Florida, where kids that have uh, life-threatening illnesses or have experienced a life-threatening illness, 
They go and stay at Give Kids the World for free. Um, from Give Kids the World, they're able to go and uh, go to Universal Studios in Orlando or go to Disney World or Sea World or wherever they choose to go. They, the Give Kids the World gives them free tickets to go there. Now, um, what Give Kids the World does is they get invites from different places, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, there are also Make-A-Wish Foundations for each state, and they will get requests to send kids to go to Give Kids the World, and kids get to go there. There's also an opportunity for anybody that, you know, they, they can just email Give Kids the World and say, hey, I know a kid that's had a life-threatening illness, and I would like them to have the opportunity to go to Give Kids the World, and they will consider that and do all the paperwork and and, and possibly get them a trip to go to Give Kids the World. So there is a, a group of us going down there because um, they work off volunteers. That's how they operate. Um, they have corporate sponsors that give them money to run the facility, but as far as the manpower, they work off volunteers. So there is a group of us going down. We leave tomorrow, and we'll serve on Tuesday and Wednesday at Give Kids the World. Um, you may say to yourself, well, I, I wish I would have known about that. I wish I would have been able to go to Give Kids the World. Um, I can tell you that we signed up for this uh, during our small group times here at Simple Church. Uh, we gave the people that participate in our small groups an opportunity to sign up to go to Give Kids the World. What I recommend to you is if you want to do things like that and you want to be a part of stuff like that, participate in small groups. Small groups are key. They are vital to what we're doing here. They are where you grow and where you learn and where you learn to do life together as a Christian, as a Christ follower. So that's the reason small groups are very important. Um, uh, we, we are taking a break from our small groups right now. Uh, June, July, and August, we always do a, uh, a family cookout on the last Sunday of the month. Uh, Sunday evening, we do a cookout where the whole church comes together and we just hang out, um, you know, in Christian terms, they call that fellowship, but we just hang out and we eat is what we do. So, um, we, you know, that, for whatever reason, we like to call that fellowship. I think it makes us sound better. Hanging out and eating just makes us sound like you know, we're gluttonous or something, but if we say we're fellowshipping, then that's okay, right? So anyway, so uh, for June, July, and August, that's what we do. In September, we'll start back with our small groups. I encourage you to be a part of a small group. Our teens have their own small groups. They meet on Wednesday nights. Our 20-somethings, they have their own small groups. If your age is 18 to 29, you've graduated high school, uh, come and be a part of our 20-something small group. It's really cool. I lead it, so it's really cool. No, I'm just kidding. It is really cool because the, the folks in there are amazing, and I am just so thrilled by the, the work that they're doing and the heart that they have. Um, but you're welcome to come and be a part of that. Our adults have small groups in here on the first and third Sundays um, of the month. They, they meet in here. We are going to be looking at making some changes to our small groups and doing some things to maybe expand that, uh, to get some of those groups outside of this building. If they choose to be outside of this building, we're going to do that, and we're actually going to have a meeting about that for People that are interested in being small group leaders, we're going to have a meeting for those folks next month. So it'll be early next month we'll actually start meeting about that. So anyway, that's just things to come, and I feel like I needed to let you know that. Um, give kids the world. Back to that. What I was talking about is that there have been so many times uh, I've served at Give Kids the World. There have been so many times where I see things. You talk to people. That's one of the main things that you do when you go and serve at Give Kids the World. You talk to people and you find out their stories. And, and let me tell you, when you find out some of these stories, it will bring you to tears. Um, some of these kids, uh, you, you may talk to a parent that recognizes that their child does not have much longer to live. And they're down at Give Kids the World, letting their kid experience family time and getting to go to Disney World and all those kinds of things. And, 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 and when you hear some of those stories, 
you cannot be you cannot help but to be moved to tears when you hear some of these stories that the people I mean they just want their kid to to be okay you know that's really what everybody wants um, but the kid obviously has got something going on uh, physically that's that's keeping them from being able to uh, to do the things that they'd like to be able to do to be quote unquote normal if you will um, so it's it's just some people stay away from that kind of stuff because they're afraid that they might stir them, it might stir their hearts, and it might make them cry, that sort of thing. I think we should, as Christians, we should embrace those kind of things that stir our hearts and make us want to cry. I really do. I mean, I, I think that, that we, should, we should, God gave us emotions, God gave us a heart, let's use that heart to impact other people. And if that brings us to tears, so be it. So be it. Because I, I want to talk to you today about the time when Jesus wept. Now, Jesus... Um, you've all heard the story about Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem, right? So he's coming back for the last time and, and they're actually going to arrest him and, and they're going to kill him and all of that stuff. So this is the last time Jesus is coming in and, uh, and he's riding on a colt and, and we'll, we'll talk about that today, but we'll talk about what happens during his, his entry into Jerusalem. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what, what goes on here and why it was that Jesus cried. So, um, in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, says this. After telling this story, Jesus went toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. Now, Jesus had been telling a story about uh, ten servants and uh, a whole story about the kingdom of God. And now he's, it's his time to go, and he's going back to Jerusalem. And he's walking ahead of his disciples. He came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, where he said to his disciples, Go into that village over there. He told them, As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied to the... Tied that there no one has ridden, has ever ridden, untied and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying the colt, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked, Why are you untying the colt? And the disciples replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. They reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, and the, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. So, I mean, this, this was what's on my mind today as we've been singing praises to Jesus. I started talking to you about worship. It's just uh, the, this, this moment when Jesus, man, I mean, like, they recognize this moment. They recognize how big of a deal this is, that, that they've seen the miracles that Jesus has performed. They've seen how amazing this guy is, the authority with which he spoke. I mean, they have, they have seen Jesus, and they are just overwhelmed by this moment, if you will. Jesus has told them, hey, go get a colt. He's going to be tied up in the next town. And, and what do they do? They go up there, and he says, and when somebody asks you why you need it, just tell them the Lord needs it. So, so Jesus knows what's about to happen, right? So they go, and they untie the colt, and they're like, Hey, man, why are you taking our colt? And they say, hey, the Lord needs it. And Jesus had already figured all this out. Jesus knew ahead of time that there was going to be somebody there that was going to ask him. And he also knew that that person was going to let them take the colt. So, I mean, Jesus knows everything that's happening, right? So that's one thing that we have to get in our minds is that, is that Jesus knows past, present, and future all at the same time. I know that's hard for us to, to, to wrap our minds around because most of us can't even wrap our minds around the present much less the past or the future. You know what I mean? Like we, it's hard for us to, to even contemplate what's going on right now as opposed to you know, contemplating all of those at the same time. And obviously, he can see the future. That makes him God, and he is fully God and fully man at the same time. And, and here he is. He can see what is about to happen, and he tells them, and he says, look, just tell them the Lord needs it. 
So they do. Just one more tiny little miracle that Jesus is performing to let them know, hey, I am the son of God. I am who I say that I am. And when you go and you go to take that, that colt, he's going to be able to, to let him go. And he's going to come. He's going to be there. So they, they get the colt. They bring it to Jesus. And then they start, they throw their garments on the road ahead of him. At first, they, they put their garments over the colt so that he could ride on top of it. And then the, the crowds, as he's coming down, the Mount of Olives, they start throwing their, their garments down in front of him. Now, what is this a sign of? If you think about the people in this day and this time, what you had to wear was very important. Am I right? You didn't have, I mean, it wasn't like you could go down to Target and get another T-shirt or something like that. I, I mean, it, they didn't have a lot of Jesus Saves T-shirts back in that day. So they, whatever shirts you had, whatever garments you had, they were very important to you. And you would keep them on, and I imagine if it was me, um, if you had to hand-stitch everything, that, that I would be hanging that sucker up at night. I mean, Willie and I have had this conversation. You wear a, th- a brand-new shirt three times right before you wash it, right? That's what Willie says. So um, we're talking about how we like a brand-new shirt, and we have this affinity for, like, a brand-new crisp shirt. We like the way that feels. But in, in this day and time, man, clothes were very very important to people. So for them to, to put the clothes on the back of the donkey, that had been one thing. So they, they, they're allowing the, the clothes, the garments to actually lay on top of the donkey and Jesus to sit on them. But now they kind of take it a step far, farther and they throw the garments down on the ground so the donkey is like walking on the clothes. I think this is a, a symbol of significance of how important Jesus was to them. How, how, how their clothes didn't mean as much as Jesus did, and they start taking stuff off and throwing it down so that the, the colt can just walk across their garments that were so important to them. I mean, these are things that in the wintertime, and it would get cold there at nighttime. These are the things that, that, that would protect them and keep them warm at night. And I say, you know what? We just want to worship Jesus. We want to lay down whatever we got, and we want to put it down at the feet of Jesus. And this recognition of who God was and the fact that, that he was God in flesh, and he was walking among them, they recognized this moment. There's a lot of people that recognize God moments. There's a lot of people. I, I, we went to camp just recently, and, and there were people that, that when we started worshiping, they recognized that God was speaking to their hearts. They recognized that the Holy Spirit of God was moving in them, and they Some people surrendered their lives to Jesus, and they said, you know what? For the first time ever, God, you own me. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you own it all, and it all belongs to you. And they surrendered their hearts and lives to Jesus because they felt the Spirit of God moving on them. They felt God drawing them, and they just responded and said, nothing else matters. I'm willing to take off whatever I've got and lay it at the feet of Jesus because it all belongs to him. He is the most important thing. And there are people that have done that, but let me tell you something, it doesn't stop with just this one time of laying your garments down at the feet of Jesus. It is continually over and over and over again acknowledging who he is and the fact that, that he is prominent in your life. He is number one in your life and nothing else really matters whether you got clothes on your back or not. I just, I think sometimes, man, we just, we, we, we get so consumed in, in our needs and, and the fact that we got to have something to wrap up with, the fact that we get cold at night and all those kinds of things, that, that we just care about us and we don't recognize who Jesus is. And the fact that the reason we have clothes on our back is because Jesus gave them to us. I think we forget that. 
And we're not as sacrificial in our love towards Jesus. And we sing our praises in here. Sometimes it's, it's kind of dumbed down. It's kind of dull because we just don't recognize that everything that we have comes from him. That he is worthy of our praise. And, and, and here, these people, admittedly, I mean, you know, I know that we, we get on the people sometimes because they don't really acknowledge Jesus for who he is. But this particular time they are, man. They're taking off their stuff. And they're laying it down and saying, Jesus you're all that matters. And they go on to, to worship him. They sing praises to him. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. Man. They're singing worship songs, right? Some people don't like the songs we sing. Okay. Some people don't like um, the band that we have. I mean, I I just incur- encountered this today that somebody's like, it's just look, it's just too different for me. It's not for me, and and they did not stay. Um, I'm sad to say. But do you know what the thing is, man? It, it's it's not about all that other stuff. It's it's. It's not about the words that we sing, but it's, it's about the words that we sing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about how we do it or, or the style or any of that kind of stuff. It's about who it's directed at and the praise and worship that is in our heart. I mean, I, mean, it's, 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 I know that, that it's sometimes it's difficult to, to, to get past, you know, the instruments and all that kind of stuff. And, and it would be very difficult probably if we all were to just say, no band today, we're just going to sing a cappella, everybody in here, ready, sing, go. And I mean, I, I know that would be very difficult week after week. And we enjoy having the band and we enjoy the time of praise and worship that we have. But do you have praise and worship time on your own? Is this the only time that you worship Jesus? I mean, like sing songs to him. Is this, I mean, is this the only time that you do it? It's when you come in here. Or is there a time when you get down on your face before God and, and you're just crying out words that you know are songs of praise from your heart? Are, are there times when you get alone with God and you're just like, God, I just want to praise you for who you are? I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm stirred in my heart. I, I mean... Are there times when, when you look at this word and like there are tears that fall on the book because you are overwhelmed by who God is? I hope so. I really, I hope so. Because if not, you're missing out on these God moments, these moments of praise and worship that he is worthy of and that you get to participate in. That these, these words are being lifted up to heaven, to the Lord God Almighty is actually recipients of these words. That God inhabits the praises of his people. And God is receiving these words from you. Are the only words that he hears are your complaints or the things that you need? Or is it praise? Is that something else that you lift up to him? Blessings on the king. Do we pray that? Do we sing that? Or do we pray blessings on me? Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. Does that sound like your praise? 
Does that sound like the voice that you're lifting up to heaven, or, or is it something else that you're lifting up to heaven? Is it more focused on you? I hope and I pray that you, you don't miss the beauty and the passion and the tears that come along with praising our Lord. Verse 39. But, there's always a but, right? So we're in this middle of this situation. We're in this place and there's praise and there's worship happening. And people throwing their garments down in front of Jesus. Like, I don't care if a cold walks on them. It doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus is worthy of our praise. And, and here, I said, but. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, Even if they keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. This is what Jesus said. It's written on here. If you want, I will. That's what it says. If you can't read it. What Jesus is saying is that he's going to be praised. He's going to be worshipped. Either way, can I tell you something? You may not worship Jesus now. You may not acknowledge him as, as the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You may not acknowledge him as king right now. But this word right here tells us that every single person will fall down on their face and acknowledge him as king. Now, unfortunately, if you don't do that here on this earth, if you don't do that while you still have the opportunity, then the outcome for you is going to be eternal separation from him because you did not acknowledge him as king when you had the chance. But when you are forced to, because he is king, then you're going to be separated from him. And there are people every single day that will listen to a message like this they will listen to the words of God and they will say not today not for me I'm not going to listen to what God is saying today and, and you know what that's called when you reject the truth of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit moves on you and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to God and you refuse that's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit rejecting of the truth that's what it's called and this constant rejection of the truth, this constant rejection, turning your back on God, when these God moments happen in your life and God is drawing you to himself, when you constantly reject him, do you know what that's called? It's called the unforgivable sin. Did you know that? That that's what the unforgivable sin is, is a constant rejection of the truth of God that he lived for you and died for you and loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. When you reject that truth over and over and over again, that's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and that's what separates you eternally from God. Now, some people may say, well, look, I've done that before. I've cursed God. I've said, told God that I didn't love him. No, no, no. You don't understand. This blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is something that happens over and over and over again when God is constantly drawing you and telling you, come to me, come to me, and you ignore, and you ignore, and you ignore. You know what happens after you begin to ignore a few times? The voice becomes a little more quiet. It becomes a little more easy to ignore. And you ignore it a little. It's a little easier to ignore. So you ignore it a little bit more the next time. Then the next time it's a little bit quieter. And the next time it's a little bit quieter. And pretty soon it's pretty easy to ignore. 
the Holy Spirit's speaking, the Holy Spirit's talking to you, but it's become easy now for you to ignore what God is saying. It's called the unforgivable sin. And the Pharisees are like, quiet these people down. Quiet these people down. And Jesus says, well, even if they're quiet, the stones will cry out because I'm still God. And I am still the one that comes in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to be praised because I am God. Even if it has to come from the rocks. And he acknowledges that the Pharisees there, they don't see it. They're missing it. You know why they missed it? Because they're of their own self-righteousness. They, they felt like they were good. They looked at all the things externally that they did. They, they looked at all the ways that they ate and the things that they, they wore and the things that they said. And they said, well, because of all this stuff, I'm good. Because of all this, I have a righteous relationship with God because of all the things that I did. And what they're missing is the fact that Jesus is there to show them that it is not about what they've done, but it's about who they are. And Jesus is revealing this to them day after day after day, and they refuse to listen. But it's not just the Pharisees. The Pharisees just happen to be the voice of the people that actually refuse to listen. They just happen to be the ones that are out in the front and the ones that we see in Scripture all the time that are refusing to listen to these God moments that are happening. Turning their back on God over and over again. And they're the ones that end up having Jesus crucified. And here they say, quiet these people down. And Jesus says, even if they are quiet, the stones will cry out because I am still God. You can miss this moment. You can miss this moment all you want to, but the stones aren't missing this moment. The creation of God, the earth itself, groans with this needing of a Savior. And if you remember when Jesus actually gave up his spirit, that there was an earthquake that happened, that it turned, the day turned to dark, and an earthquake happened. It's because the earth was groaning for a Savior. But if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But this is where it gets intense for me. This is where I read and I think about Jesus. And I think about his heart right here. Because this is Jesus' heart in this day and this time and, and riding on this cold. But this is Jesus' heart every single day. This is where he is. And this is the reason Jesus came right here. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would understand the way to peace. Jesus, the heart of Jesus right there. You want to know what Jesus has to say to you today? Maybe you slept through the whole sermon. You don't know anything I've said. Listen to this. Jesus began to weep and he said, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And the peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. 
And here's what, he, what Jesus says. He says, I wish you of all people would understand the way to peace. I wish you would see this God moment, this kairos, this particular moment. What's going on here? What's going on right in front of your face? I wish you would see it because you don't understand the devastation that's coming. He said, just, just like I could see the, the colt that was tied up that was for me that I was going to ride in on, just like the prophets had predicted hundreds of years before I was ever born, just like that, he said, what you don't see is the devastation that's coming. You, you, don't, you don't see how you're going to be torn apart. You don't understand how, how this whole thing, is. You, you're going to have to be destroyed. Everything that you know now is going to have to be torn down. So that eventually you will see, that eventually you will understand what is going on here. So eventually you won't have any choice but to acknowledge who I am. He said, your enemies... Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your kairos. Your kairos. This particular moment. You know, there are people that come in here on Sunday mornings and they listen. They listen to a message and sometimes they, they have their heart beating out of their chest. And sometimes they know the Holy Spirit of God speaking directly to them. But they dismiss it. Because this is what they think. I think it's not really God talking to me. This is just my emotions. This is just me getting stirred up because Kenny said some emotional stuff. And that's the reason I feel like that. You can tell yourself that all day long. But when you lay down tonight, I want you to contemplate the truth. And I want you to ask yourself this. Was that just me? Was that just my response to some words some guy on the stage said? Or was that the Holy Spirit of God? Was that really God speaking to me? Was that really God drawing me into himself? And if it was, if it was God, recognize the danger. Recognize the danger that comes along with ignoring what God has shown you. Recognize the danger with blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Recognize the danger with ignoring God over and over and over again. You say, you're just saying that to scare me. No, I'm saying that because it's the truth. I'm saying that because it's the truth of God. I didn't say it. If I was going to say it, I'd come up with an easier way for you. I, I would just say, come down here and pray some prayer, and, and you don't even really have to mean it. Just say some words, and, and that'll be it. But what God's word says, you've got to do it over and over and over again. You've got to really, truly die to yourself over and over again. You've got to truly live with Jesus Christ at number one in your life. And you don't care about the clothes that are on your back. All you care about is Jesus. And if you have to follow him into Jerusalem so that you'll be crucified alongside of him, then you say yes to that every single day. That's what being a Christian is. That's what really following Jesus is all about. So, I've got this rock up here, and it fits with this particular passage, and it was given to me just yesterday, as a matter of fact. But it also reminded me of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. And this is what it says. It says, the gospel of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. It's like a stumbling block to the Jews that are looking for signs. And, and to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, 
looks like foolishness. And what he's saying there, what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, is he's saying this. He's saying, hey, Jews, you cannot look at what God has done for all, for all uh, of eternity and how he has used us and made a covenant with us that we're God's chosen people. You, you can't look at our history and not stumble over the fact that Jesus is right there in the middle. That God brought Jesus here for the purpose of rescuing us, for saving us. He says you, you can't look at everything without, without tripping over the fact that, that Jesus is here. And Jesus is the reason that we have redemption, salvation to God. He says, and for the Gentiles, for the Greeks. See, the Greeks uh, that, that, that Paul was really addressing here, he's, depending on your version, whichever one you want to read, um, the Greeks were great philosophers, right? So they were very mental people. They liked to, to contemplate things and and, you know, have all these ideas and lofty ideas about things. And they look at Jesus. And I say, this gospel that you preach, that I have to be, I have to come to him in order to be saved? It's just like foolishness. It just, it just looks like a rock on the ground. And, and I, I think what Paul goes on to say is that, you know what? That foolishness. That you look at and you say, that's not really real. There, there's, no, there's, there's no great philosophy behind that when you, when you look at that. Or, you, or maybe you say that, that I, I've seen Jesus, but that's not really for me. He says, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God uses the things, that, the, these dumb preachers that talk about Jesus. God's using them to speak truth to your life. And you can try to have lofty ideas all day long, but the reality is that the truth is going to come from places where you don't expect it. That's why God chose ordinary men to preach the truth of God. Because he wanted to show his power and his might and the fact that these men who were ordinary could actually preach truth that would forever change your life if you would listen to them, if you'd listen to the Holy Spirit. It's the same reason that God brought you here today. So that you could just hear a man speak, and what it would be is it would be truth. And you either choose to accept it or you cannot. Some people today, they'll just walk right past. And they may stumble over Jesus today, but they'll keep walking. Or they may walk past and just say, there's nothing to that. It's just a rock. But my prayer is that today, that somebody might pause for just a minute, that they would listen to the Spirit of God, that they might praise Him and worship Him as He deserves to be worshipped and praised. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now maybe today somebody would sing that earnestly from their heart. They would praise him earnestly and recognize that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. Because people ignore this truth. It's the reason Jesus wept. Because they missed this kairos, this God moment. I pray that you won't miss that today.